1 Corinthians tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We continue our study in 1 Corinthians, particularly in chapter number 15. Last week we, uh, we worked through some things um, and then I mentioned that I was going to share a little bit on verse number 29. We had worked our way down to verse number 29 and, and so I'm gonna, I, I want to do that, but I, I guess leading up to that, I want to do something, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I'm going to uh, uh, share a bit of a message tonight, and, and then I'm going to ask you to study your Bibles, and I'm going to ask you to come to me and show, tell me what you think the Bible says, and, and let you interpret the Bible. Uh, now, all of us won't get to preach next week, well, it'll be after the missions conference when we get back together, so all of us won't get to preach, I'll be the one that'll get to preach, but I'd like to hear what you have gotten from Bible study, from studying the Bible, and that's what we want to do, look at, uh, we want to consider that topic tonight, the title of our time together is Understanding the Hard to Understand, Understanding the Hard to Understand, let's look at verse number 29 if you would please else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not up why are they then baptized for the dead and why stand we in jeopardy every hour I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord I die daily if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus what advantage it me if the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived, evil communication corrupt good manners, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And I had every intention to work our way through these verses, but then I begin studying, and I have for a couple weeks, thinking and, and dealing with verse number 29. Look at it with me again. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? Understanding the hard to understand. What do we do when we come to hard passages? That's a hard passage. If you look at it on the surface there and you just read that there, that can be a difficult passage to interpret. Uh, it can be something that we that we just look at. And what do we do when we come to passages like this? Uh, do we just scratch our head and just go on? Uh, uh, what do we do with situations? Where do we, is there an application here? Um, any student or any reader of the Bible will, from time to time, come across verses that make us ask this question. What does this mean? What does this verse mean? What do we do with this? How in the world does this verse fit in here? And I dare say this is probably one of those cases, one of those verses that we look at and say, what's he exactly, what's going on here? Some verses, I'll admit, can be difficult. But that does not mean we cast them aside, take a little pen knife and just cover them up or cut them out of our Bibles. We don't cast them aside. We don't skip over them. Uh, or, nor do we ignore them. You know, I, I think it's interesting if you read uh, very much of after others, if you read some commentaries, you know, you come to passages, uh, not necessarily this one, 
this verse probably, there's probably more written on this verse than just about anything. But you come to passages of Scripture and you, you say, I wonder what so-and-so has to say. And you go to the, to the commentary and there's nothing there. You know what they did? They just skipped over it. They just, just well, there's nothing to be said about that. So I guess that verse didn't make a difference. Uh, so what do we do? Do we just skip over them? Do we ignore them? No, I believe that when we come to these kinds of things, we need to be students of the Word. We need to be students of the Word. And that's what I want to talk to us a little bit about tonight. Uh, just uh, have a little time of just understanding some things and, and some uh, to help us to be able to look at these passages, this particular passage, and then come back in a couple weeks and, and then look at it in, in its full context and see exactly what's being said. But I want you to be a, become a student of the Word. Are you a student of God's Word? Are you a student of God's Word? Do we, uh, are we just casual readers? Do we just read a few words and check the block and then are we done? 2 Timothy 2 and 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. This particular verse, cults have been built out of this. All kinds of false teaching and doctrine have, been, have come out of this particular verse. But the Bible tells us that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. It tells us that it's truth, so we're to rightly divide it. Now, the, that word idea of rightly dividing means to cut straight. It means to make clear. It means to correctly understand, interpret, to know. Rightly divide it. To know it, to understand it. And that's what we are to do as Bible students of the Word of God. Being a Bible student does not mean that everybody must have a Bible college degree. Doesn't mean you have to go to a four-year Bible college. Doesn't mean you need to sit through a master's course at a, at a Bible college. Although those things are helpful. They are very helpful. A call to the ministry, I believe, is a call to prepare for the ministry. A call to prepare for the ministry. And so those things can be helpful, but it's, they're not always, you don't have to do that. I believe that God calls people to the ministry. He calls them to Bible college. I know that for me, if I had not gone to Bible college, I'm not sure where I would be today. I know for me at 32 years of age, going back to Bible college is the best thing in the world I could have done. Uh, and, and there was so much I didn't understand, so much I didn't know. So it was such a wonderful help to me. But have to, having to have, you know, people think, well, I'm, to be a, a Bible student, I have to have two years of Greek and of Hebrew. Uh, if I'm going to be able to get it, if I'm going to be able to understand it, no, not necessarily so. Although those things are helpful. Although if you can get those tools, get them. Get them. Uh, don't. Uh, not do so, it means effort on our part, but get them. It will really enhance your Bible study. Uh, I remember sitting through uh, a class on the, the Gospel of John and from a perspective of a, 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 a missionary to the Jews. And he, he taught the Gospel of John from a Jewish perspective. And I remember sitting through that class and thinking, wow, I've never seen John quite like this before. It just opened up my eyes and gave me a complete uh, uh, understanding in ways that I did not have before. So if you can get these tools, get them. But let me also say 
I want to be careful when I say you don't need to go to Bible college because I think a call to, to the ministry is a call to prepare. But I will say this. Let me add this. Every, listen mom and dad, uh, every young person, every young person I believe must have, and I put the emphasis in must, at least get one year of Bible college before they go off and do anything else. And mom and dad, it's okay to you to say, you know what? I'm going to pay for your Bible college if you, or your college if you choose to do that. But I'm going to also ask that you get one year of Bible college too. I, we're going to pay for the other, but that's a stipulation that you get one year of Bible under your belt. They're going to need Bible. Uh, they're, going, they're being sent out into a, a wicked world that is out to, to rip them apart and take everything they've ever heard and learned and every bit of preaching they've ever set up under and pull it away from them. And I really believe this is the, 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 the reason why the church is losing so many of its young people and its young families because they don't have that Bible foundation. And I've seen so many young people go to a Bible college and say, I'm just going to stay there for one year and go off to Bible college and God works in their heart. They sit through those chapels. God does a work. Man tenderizes that heart. And before you know it, this person is now going off to serve the Lord and as a pastor, as a missionary, or a pastor's wife, missionary's wife, just a lay person, a godly lay person that loves the Lord. Something so important here. And I've always encouraged, uh, if you're going to be a, a dog catcher, a brain surgeon, whatever you want to be in life, You'll need one year of Bible college before you can do it. And I just think it's so important. So I just want to throw that in there to make sure that, uh, that our young people are getting a good, solid foundation in life. And I think that starts under the Word of God. But every, let me just say this, every church member ought to be a student of the Bible. Every church member ought to be a student, ought to be a student of the Word of God, um, when do you graduate from being a Bible student? Do you ever graduate from being a Bible student? Never. Never do you graduate. You don't. You just keep on. You just keep on going. You keep on going. It's a living book. It's a book that's alive. You will never gain all the knowledge that you need by saying, you know, I have, I've been there and I've done that. I've finished that course. You never stop you never graduate from Bible study. Nobody ever, ever gets to the point where they know it all. If you come to that individual that says, I figured it all out, I got it all, run from them. Run from them. Uh, there's trouble brewing right there. Nobody ever gets to the point where I've known it all. There's, there's, we never get to the point where we've just simply said, you know what, I've studied the entire Bible, I've read it, uh, and I can just stop there. Knowing your Bibles is a lifelong adventure. The discovery never ends. It just gets better and better as you go along. And so we never get away from the study of God's Word. Many Christians never study their Bibles or have never seriously studied their Bibles uh, many used to study their Bibles, but then they've stopped. And it's amazing to me that sometimes, I think Baptists, we are maybe the, 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 the least uh, uh, trained in, in so many ways, in so many ideas and truths of God's Word. Uh, people just don't understand it. And I think that's why the cults come in and they get their 
foothold in because people don't understand what the Bible says. So we must be able to interpret the Word of God. And many Christians never pick up their Bible from Sunday to Sunday. Never pick it up. You know, there are many Christians that don't bring their Bible to church with them on Sunday. Just don't bring it with them. Uh, can I, I, let me just say this too. I'll throw this in. You know, mom and dad and, and grandma and grandpa, if you got little ones in your house, you ought to make sure your little ones are carrying their Bibles to church with them. And they're going to learn that from you. And you carry your Bible, make sure your little ones carry your Bible. You know, don't let your little ones lose their Bible. Help them understand this is important. This is the, the Word of God, and we cherish it. We love it. And so help them keep up with their Bibles and ask them, uh, where's your Bible? Did you get your Bible today? It means a little bit extra work on mom and dad, but it's part of training and preparing them. And so if we come to church and we don't have our Bibles, and if we don't pick up our Bibles from Sunday to Sunday, then shame on us. Really, that's all we can say is shame on us. We ought to be lifelong students of the Word of God. Study, grow, learn. Get wisdom for daily living. Learn who God is. Have a fresh daily walk with God. Every day. Fresh daily walk with the Lord. Um, we get stale. We get stale when we start stop studying our Bibles. We get stale. We, there's, we don't have that freshness. Um, so don't stop doing that. You know, we heard during the missions conference, excuse me, during the couples retreat, the little... Uh, joke that said this uh, wife complained that her husband, uh, you never tell me that you love me. And he turned to her and said, I told you I loved you. When I said I do, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. If it ever changes, I, I said it when we got married, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. Kind of stale. Uh, kind of a stale situation there. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, got some mold on that thing growing. Um, let me just, I think it's a good time here to throw in a little bit of a commercial, Brother Jeff, for Harrison Faith Bible Institute. What a great time to study the Bible. I think, and I'm a little biased because I, I, I'm the pastor of the church, but I think every church member ought to go through Harrison Faith Bible Institute. I think everybody ought to go through it. I believe everybody ought to get in on the Bible Institute at some point. Now, I know everybody can't do everything at all times. There are seasons of life. I understand that and fully aware of that. But if we've got Monday nights available, uh, and there's an availability to study the Bible, why wouldn't we want to study the Bible? Why wouldn't we want to go there? A Monday evening study through the Bible uh, that's fresh, that's exciting, that's encouraging, that's a blessing... That solid, good Bible teaching. And this is available. Yet few attend it. Few attend it. Someone said to me one time, Preacher, I went to Bible college long ago. I don't need your Bible Institute. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, Lord, I, I told you I loved you when you saved me. If it changes, I'll let you know. Kind of stale. It seems to me, study, be a lifelong student of the Word of God. Paul talks about the Bereans in Acts chapter number 17. The Bible says with regards to these Bereans, they searched the Scriptures daily. Let's be like those people. Let's be Bereans. 
Let's study the Word of God daily. Now, let me give you just quickly seven reasons why to study your Bible. I'll start with P, so you can write them down if you like. Seven reasons to study your Bible. First of all, study your Bible for personal faith. Personal faith. Now, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How did you get into salvation? Through the Word of God. Personal faith, but not only personal faith by way of salvation, but personal faith in growth. Growing in the Word of God. So we study our Bible for personal faith. We study our Bible for profound knowledge. Profound knowledge. That's understanding of the truth. Profound knowledge. Understanding of the truth. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what we want to know. We want to know the will of God. We want to know what God wants for us. Profound knowledge. We study the Bible for purification of life. Why would we do this? For purification of life. To keep us pure before the Lord. Um, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, against God. For the purification of life, we study the word for the preparation for service. Preparing for service, a a, a call to serve and to live for God is a call to be a student of the word of God. Preparation of service. Study to show thyself approved. In other words, don't be a novice. Don't be a novice when we have the Bible. We have so many tools at uh, at our fingertips to use. We study the Bible for power and ministry. For power and ministry. The Spirit of God works when the Word of God is used. The Spirit of God works through the preaching, the teaching, the use of the Word of God. So the power of God comes when we learn the Word of God. And the Spirit of God works through us using that Word. He speaks to us. He encourages us. And we can turn right around and do the same thing to others. So there's power in ministry. Study the Word of God for the practice of life. Simply day-to-day living. Living it out day by day. Practicing life. Day-to-day living. We study the Bible so that we know how to live life. We study the Bible for the proclamation of the truth. Proclamation of truth. Go into all the world and preach. What are we going to preach? We have to preach this Bible. Preach the truth of the word. The message that we preach comes right out of this book. If we don't have this, we don't have anything to preach. We have nothing to say that's going to change a life. But we get into the word. We study the word for the proclamation of the truth. The message that we proclaim is found in the word of God. Now, proper Bible interpretation. Proper Bible interpretation requires... Study. Study. Have you found, like me, that study's hard work? Is that, does it, you know, we, I think I mentioned some of these guys, it just comes easy for them. It never has come easy for me. Um, it's hard work. Proper Bible interpretation requires study. 1 Timothy 5 and 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor 
in the word and doctrine. Studies hard work. Those who labor. The word labor it literally has the, the, the connection and the idea behind it of toil, of fatigue, of hard work. I know what it's like, many of you do, to work out in the heat. And I remember used to crawling up in 120 degree attics and crawling under the houses and doing all the HVAC stuff. And, and I remember what that's like. And that's hard work. But can I tell you, to be a student of God's words also hard work. It's hard work. The Bible says that it is. Bible study yields. Bible study yields great treasures. But treasures oftentimes have to be, what, dug up. Uh, you have to dig them up. You, you have to search for them. You have to go after them. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, rightly divide the word of truth. So when we are thinking about rightly dividing, there is the matter of right interpretation. And this is where so many people get off. Right interpretation, understand the meaning. Understand the meaning of what we're reading, of what the Bible's saying. Understand its meaning, clarify the facts, be able to see how it fits, and then be able to teach others. That's what we're after, to, to, to give a reason for the hope that's within us, using the Bible, using the Word of God. Um, and we want to be able to teach others. What do we want to teach them? So that they have the right interpretation. You've heard people say, well, what does the Bible mean here? Well, it means to me. This is what the Bible means to me. Well, that's all fine and dandy as long as what it means to you is what the Bible means. Because it could mean something to you and mean something to this person and that person. But all of them would be wrong if it's not what the Bible says. So it's so important. Let me say this. Wrong interpretation leads to wrong application. Did you hear that? Wrong interpretation leads to wrong application. Example, I heard recently, and I think maybe Gage had let me hear this. It was a so-called pastor. And he's talking about, we just studied in Sunday mornings, and Jesus dealt with a Syrophoenician woman. And, you know, talking about giving bread crumbs to the dogs in that passage of Scripture. And this so-called pastor, contradiction of terms, you'll see in a second, he, he says in that passage, he, he began to try to teach that passage, in that passage, Jesus was confronted about his racism as a Jew. And when he was confronted by the Syrophoenician woman, because he was a racist against the Gentiles, that Jesus repented. He repented. Uh, this man was a homosexual and he was making the application that Jesus was racist against Gentiles but that he repented. So Christians who speak against homosexuality are racist and need to, to repent just like Jesus did. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Wrong interpretation leads to wrong application. And I don't, you know, man, with that kind of thing, that's, that's blasphemy. That's heresy. You know, we could spend a whole service unpacking that one and the, the heresy that's found in that kind of thing. But you see what I'm trying to get at. My, my point is wrong application 
A wrong interpretation leads to wrong application. Let me give you a quick example. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let me read you the verses. You'll know them when, I, when you hear them. But he said, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 verses 5 and 6. Uh, verses 6 and 7. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Here is Samuel getting ready to anoint King David. He's looking for the king. He doesn't know who he is yet, but he's one of Jesse's sons. And they bring the eldest, Elib, to him. And he says, surely, the people are saying, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But verse 7, but the Lord saith unto Samuel, looketh not on his countenance, nor on uh, the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, many have taken that passage and, and, and to try to make it say this. Look, you see that passage is saying God cares nothing about the outward appearance. God didn't care about the outward appearance. He only cares about the heart. Uh, this does not say God cares nothing about the outward appearance. Because I believe God is concerned about the outward appearance. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And when the outward appearance looks like the world, uh, that says something. That says a whole lot. And, and so God, this is verse has nothing to do about the outward appearance. And what, what people are trying to make it say. This verse is saying that the outward appearance is all that man can look upon. Can any of you see another person's heart? It's all we can look upon. But God not only sees the outward appearance. But he also sees the inward as well. In the choosing of a king. The outward appearance as well as the inward appearance means everything. It's the choosing of a king you see. Many read into the passage what's not there at all. Read into the passage what's not there at all, and they make the wrong application. Again, wrong interpretation leads to wrong application. There are two words that I want to give you tonight, and many of you would be familiar, but uh, maybe some wouldn't. But I want to just bring this out. I think it would be helpful in understanding when it comes to Bible interpretation. These two words are exegesis and eisegesis. Two words, exegesis and eisegesis. Uh, the, the exegesis, it's two Greek words put together. The ex means out of. The, the rest of the word means interpret or carry away. So you have exegesis, out of interpretation. And eisegesis, the very first part of that, the E-I-S means into. Okay, so exegesis is to read out of an interpretation. Eisegesis is to read into an interpretation. Into an interpretation. So, when we come to Bible study and proper Bible interpretation, all of us, every single time, will do one of two of these things. Every single time, you'll do one of two of these things. When we exegete the scriptures, we read out. Out of the text, exactly what God says. When we exegete the scriptures, we 
get the right interpretation and we agree with the right interpretation. That's exegesis. We read out of the scriptures what the scripture says. The meaning, the text. When we eisegete the text, we read into the text what we want it to say. You see the difference? Instead of letting the Bible come and speak to us, we're reading into the Bible what we want the Bible to say. We come with eisegesis to read into it what our preconceived notions are, what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong. That's why the homosexual crowd can literally try to take the Bible and say God's okay with homosexuality. And they do do that. They'll take our King James Bibles and try to teach such a thing. They are reading into what the text does not say. So instead of agreeing with the Bible, you now make adjustments. Uh, when you agree with the Bible, you make adjustments in your life according to the truth. But with eisegesis, you make the Bible agree with you. And so the application is now, instead of you adjusting your life to, read, to meet the Bible standard, you're adjusting the Bible to meet your standard. You follow me? This is the difference. And every time, every single time we come to the Word of God, we will come to the Word of God with allowing the Bible to deal in our lives or we will read into it what we want the Bible to say. We read into the interpretation what we think we want it to say or we take from God's Word what He says. Right? Bible interpretation. And what He says is truth. Every single time. Not what I think he says is the truth. Not what I think the truth is, but what God says the truth is. Now, in our Bible study, we need to make sure that we always read out of the text what is being said. Never into the text what is not being said. Right interpretation leads to right application Wrong interpretation leads to wrong application. So there's a couple principles. Let me just list a couple of these principles. When you, this week, I want you to look at verse number 29. And I want you to take these things and I want you to begin to study the Bible. And I want you to come to some conclusions with regards to these things. So let me give you a couple guidelines on how to do that. First of all, I want you to, let's get this, let's nail this down. And, and I don't think in this crowd it won't be hard to do. But many would have questions here. Scripture does not contradict Scripture. Get it right. Scripture never, ever, ever contradicts Scripture. If we go to the passage and we come up with an interpretation that goes against the Word of God, guess who's got it wrong? We do. Scripture never contradicts Scripture. All of the Bible is inspired by God. All Scripture is infallible, no mistakes present, no mistakes at all. All of Scripture is inerrant, it's incapable of being wrong. So, that's where we start. Scripture does not contradict Scripture. So, number next, number two, let Scripture interpret Scripture. There are times when one Bible writer of a particular passage of scripture he uses a verse 
that's written by another. If you look in your New Testament, there are literally hundreds of Old Testament passages that are quoted in the New Testament. So what do we do? Go back to the Old Testament passage and read that. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. We don't pull it out of, we'll talk about this. Again, number three, I guess, is this one. Keep the Scripture in context. Keep it in context. Context is the subject that's being written about. Now, how do we find the context? To find the context, we have a passage of Scripture. We've got to read the verses above it, and we've got to read the verses under it. And in order to get a broader context, you know what you need to do? You've got to go ahead and read the, the entire chapter. In order to get a broader context, you, you need to read the entire book. And then when you get to the entire book, it's got to fit into the entire Bible. That means you've got to read the whole thing. But when you see this way, there's no contradiction. Scripture interprets Scripture, and it's in context. Read the verses before and after. Read the entire chapter. Many times, just reading the surrounding verses, the passages before and the passages under, makes all the difference in the world. You come to a passage, what in the world does that mean? Just keep on reading. Just go back and put it in its context. And many times it will just, it'll just pop out right there. Oh, yeah, I see it now. I, I clearly see that. And then go back and read it in, in its context. Read other verses that are surrounding it. And if it's been quoted in another place, go back and read that one as well. Number four, let the clear interpret the unclear. Let the clear interpret the unclear. One verse of Scripture... Hard to understand should never be used to override those that are clear. You never override them. Well, that seems to say that we're baptizing for the dead. Proxy baptism. Uh, it seems to say that. But we know that contradicts other scriptures. So that cannot be the right interpretation. One passage does not override the unclear, does not override the clear. So that's why you've got to go back and you've got to work on it. You've got to study and, and work on these things. And let me throw you another one in here. As you study this passage this week, be a word worm. Be a word worm. You know what that is? Somebody just follows words out. Look up word meanings. Sometimes we often don't do that. Look up word meanings. Find word definitions. Look up archaic words. Archaic words. What in the world's a malefactor? Well, in this crowd, we might be have an understanding, but you understand you got a whole generation that has no idea what that means. What did he do? What is one of these fellas? You know, so there are things like that. Look up these archaic words. Use Webster's Dictionary. You want a good place to begin? Use Webster's Dictionary. Get you a good dictionary. Learn to look up the Greek and Hebrew words and meanings. Get yourself... A Strong's Concordance. And learn to use this. This will help you with Strong's. This will help you. There are every Greek word, every Hebrew word is a letter beside it. And you can go back and you find it in this book. You can find the meaning in the Hebrew and the Greek. So oftentimes when you look at it that way, it sheds a whole new light that the English, the English translation may not shed. And if you want to carry one of these around with you everywhere you go. This is hard to fit in a lunchbox. 
You know what? They got all these things on digital now. Get eSword. Put it on your phone. You can just pop in there and there it is. You click on it and you click on it. It takes you there. Thayer's Dictionary is another one. Look up the words. Be a book, a word worm. Uh, and, and it'll shed some light and help you interpret the passage. Lastly, depend on the Holy Spirit for guidance. Depend upon the Holy Spirit for guidance. Listen to John chapter 14 and verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, when the Father will send him in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Depend upon the Holy Spirit for guidance. Listen, God has no incentive to keep his truth, his word and wisdom from you. He has no incentive for that. He's given us his word so that we can know truth and wisdom. So God will not hide those things from you. And God will never hide them from a man who's seeking them. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch? You remember his story? Man, he just was reading that Bible. Oh, back there in Isaiah. And I see this, but what does it mean? Who's he talking about here? And poof, you know, there's a fellow to tell him. God just... Plucks, plucks him up here and puts him down over there and now he's back again. This man gets saved. God, if you are looking for truth, if you're seeking truth, God has every plan to give you that truth in one way or another. It, it's amazing how God does this. Trust God. Believe God. Pray and ask God. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to guide you to know his truth. Every time you sit down and read the Bible, Lord, you see me sitting here. I got my Bible open. Lord, I, I need, would you help me? Help me to understand. Help me to see. What do you want me to know today? Help me to see this. Pray and ask God to help you. James 1 and 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. The word abradeth not means God will not reproach you. God will not chide you. For seeking his wisdom and his truth. God will bless you. For seeking his wisdom and his truth. So. When we come back. After missions conference. You'll have studied. Else what shall they do. To uh, What shall they do. Which are baptized for the dead. If the dead rise not up. Why are they then baptized for the dead. Be a good Bible study. And we'll come back. And we'll deal with it more. I hope. These things will help you be a student of the Word of God. Be a Bible student, a lifelong Bible student. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.